All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Jake Podcast. I am your host, Jake Brainy, and it is Thursday, October 25th. Really pumped up, had a great week, kind of flew by this week after a lot of Wednesdays that felt like Thursdays the last month. There have just been so many things going on. Long weeks have felt even longer, but you know what? Things are feeling pretty good today. Had a really nice weekend last weekend. I dominated the pumpkin picking. I kicked ass at the pumpkin carving. And all is right in the world when Jake Brainy's on top. So pretty pumped. Had a great weekend. Had a great week. Got another good weekend coming up. We're approaching Halloween season, which is really cool because this weekend, it's one of those weird years, you know, when Halloween falls on like a Wednesday. So you don't really know what you're going to do. Are you going out on the Saturday before, the Saturday after. Uh, me and my girlfriend and her friends are going to be celebrating on the Saturday before, which also my group of friends will be doing like a party as well, uh, inspired by the game my girlfriend brought to our group. So uh, that'll be a lot of fun doing like a werewolf party. But yeah, lots to get to this week. I'll start right off the bat, jumping in with a one-minute movie review. This week's movie, I didn't go to the movies. I know I have a lot coming up. I have uh, you know, bad times at the El Royale really wanted to see, didn't get to that. I just saw first man last week, week later holds up. I still think it's great. I want to see it again and again. It was phenomenal. One of my favorite, my favorite space travel movie and a really great, you know, Jake classic. What else? Halloween going to be reviewing that next week when my girlfriend and I go on Halloween itself. That'll be really fun. You know, maybe watch a scary movie ahead of time and then get in the mood with the actual Halloween on Halloween. I think that's a pretty cool scene. Uh, and then it, uh, I still want to see, you know, the Bohemian Rhapsody is going to be coming out. Uh, I know the Elton John movie is going to be coming out. Maybe that's like in the winter, though. So there are a lot of things going on that I really want to see. And I didn't actually get to the movies this week, but Sunday night, we threw on a movie around the fireplace and I watched, for the first time, Chappaquiddick, okay? For those who don't know what this movie's about, I, I missed it in theaters. I really wanted to see it. But uh, it's about the Ted Kennedy scandal. And I didn't know anything about it going in, which was I was pretty pumped about because since I didn't really know anything other than the fact that Ted Kennedy never became president and that a bunch of his brothers died, I thought, this is going to be really interesting. I want to know all about this. So, uh Without further ado, the Chappaquiddick one-minute movie review. Okay, so starts off, this is late 60s. We're about to land on the moon, which is funny because I just saw First Man. And Ted Kennedy is at, I, I guess it's like the Kennedy summer home in like uh, uh, Hammersport or one of those weird like Cape Towns. And he's like flirting with one of the aides uh, in, his, uh, in his department. And drives off the side of the road after like drinking all night, drives into the water and and we flash to him being out of the water. He has no recollection and it sounds like he never actually finds out how he got out of the car when it was in the water. But he bails, he walks back to his uh house, gets help from his cousin slash like big confidant Ed Helms and like his attorney I guess in Jim Gaffigan, which great casting by those guys. So, uh, and they kind of like try to cover it up for him. Meanwhile, this girl 
probably still alive in the car. The way they made it seem like is this chick is actually still alive and she's like suffocating because there's no air in the car. They leave it. They don't report it. They think Ted's going to report it, but he doesn't. He goes to a hotel room. And then in the morning when like some kid fishing sees it, they report it. And then all of a sudden it's like now that the news is there, Ted's like, oh, by the way, uh, I, you know, my car is in the river. And it's like he goes back and forth on his story. At first, he just says, my car's in the water. Then he says, I, I, I you know, I'm not going to say I was driving. They said, actually, no, I was driving. Uh, he puts a statement out to the police. Then he goes and sees his dad and his dad's team of people that are like, okay, here's how we're going to approach you. He's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I put a statement out to the police. It was unbelievable how much he, like, shit himself throughout this whole process. He really, like, screwed himself, not to mention, like, what an awful guy for just letting this happen. Like, you try your hardest to save this girl's life, and instead he's just, like, you know, moping around like, oh, man, I guess uh, I guess I'm not going to be president now. And they do show a little bit of sympathy towards him because it it seems like his dad really gave him a tough time throughout life, you know. He, you know, his dad had four sons. Three of them died, you know, one in the war, one was you know, JFK, obviously he was assassinated. Bobby Kennedy was assassinated as well. Or is it an assa- I guess it's an assassination, right? You know, I saw that movie Bobby. I think they call it an assassination. I don't know what has to happen for it to go from a murder to an assassination. Um, I guess obviously staged probably the fact that it's like a political figure. But I mean, can like a celebrity or a professional athlete get assassinated? It's a really good question. Anyway. You know, three of his sons died. Ted's the only one left. He has no wife. He has no, no no one else in his life except for his son. And he still treats him like shit. He still says, get an alibi. Don't tell the truth. Like, you're, you're embarrassing me. You'll never be great. He says all these things about his son. And it, it seemed like Ted Kennedy was a pretty decent politician. He just made this huge mistake and uh, ended up losing, I think, uh, the Republican nomination. I don't even think he made it to the uh, the presidential election. But turns out it was a really interesting movie, and it seemed very, very detailed. And it gave the end of and tells you what happened. And Ted Kennedy was, I think, a senator for like forever after that. You know, I think he was like in forty years in office. So a, a really good movie, really interesting history lesson. I don't think I'm going to see it again. Um, but in terms of just like making a movie, it was very good. And the trailer really pulls you in. You think like when you see the trailer, you're like, what is going on? Especially if you didn't actually live through this and don't actually know what happened in the actual, you know, real life of things. So Chappaquiddick, good movie, one minute review. Okay. So I liked it. I thought it was good. Uh, but not the only thing I did this past weekend, Watched a couple football teams lose their games, but the one that I really wanted to see win did win. I went on Friday night with uh, my parents and a couple of my friends, met up with, saw a lot of uh, old classmates, and got to see Red Bank Catholic versus Rumson Fairhaven at RFH. Number one RBC in the shore. Number six in the state, nine in the state, something like that, versus... Number like 15 or 17 in the state, Rumson, number two in the shore. This was a classic battle of a rivalry that they backed out of um, a few years ago. 
something that I've been dying to get back to because we dominate that rivalry ever since 2002. I think 2002 was the last year that Rumson won it, or it was the first year of the RBC domination. Every year, Thanksgiving, we'd come around, and RBC would just beat them up, including my senior year when it was 61 nothing. That showed up in the paper when they were talking about the highlights of the rivalry. And shortly after I left for college, they ended the rivalry. And a lot of people say it was a mutual agreement, but that is not how it happened. What happened was RFH signed on a new Thanksgiving deal with Shore Regional and decided, well, Shore Regional is more of our play style, which I'm like, okay, right now they are, but in the future they might not be. And I said, well, Shore Regional will also prepare us more for the state playoffs and the state finals. I'm like, okay, first of all, you're just assuming you're going to be in the state finals every week or every year. You know, you just assume that Shore Regional is going to be just like all those teams that you might face in the state finals. I mean, come on. This is a, a like a bullshit excuse, but that's what Rumson decided to go with. They said RBC is too ground and pound for us. I'm like, no, they're too beat the shit out of you is what they are. And you know what? This was a great example of, hey, you know what, RFH? Prove RBC wrong. Prove all the Casey's wrong and tell us, you know what, we can beat you guys. And it is just about preparing for state finals. Now, RFH has done a really good job outside of this rivalry. You know, every year that they play each other, both teams are winning teams, state playoff teams. And RFH has won a couple state championships. Now they play in a pretty low division. They don't exactly play the cream of the crop that RBC has had to face in the past. You know, when we go up to Don Bosco and they shut down Donald Brown, an NFL running back. You know, RFH is dealing with Matawan. And we're dealing with St. Droz and St. Peter's Prep. And even when we bumped down a level because we lost a bunch of students, uh, then we went into the Division Three category, the under-1,200 kids. We were, we're still in the state finals. We're still playing some really tough opponents. And... Like Del Barton, ever heard of him? And instead, RFH is still cleaning up and getting their state finals. But you know what? RBC still has won. They won state championship a couple years ago. And this year is looking like a pretty good season, too. So in the game, RBC took a 14 nothing lead. And to be honest, I was starting to look and say, you know what? How many scores can we get? Can we be up 28 nothing? Can we possibly win this game 35 nothing? That would be great. I know it's on the road, but... This is a game, this is for Edge, our coach, who uh, you know really wants to get back at them for this. And it was only 14-0 at halftime. They, RFH blocked a field goal right before half, and it could have been worse. It could have been like 28 to nothing. I, I looked and I was like, we left some points on the board, but RFH hasn't done anything. We're going to coast. Third quarter, no one does anything. All right, Nobody moves the ball. It just flies by. I even say it to my friends. I'm like, man, this game's flying by which was a big mistake because up until the six-minute mark, yeah, the game flew by, but then the last six minutes of the game took about an hour to finish up because fireworks happened. RBC did not do good at putting away this game, and they let the door open, and RFH came in. Now, RFH had a couple 15-yard penalties after some late hits, some kind of cheap shots, some will say, I will say, 
and uh, hurt some star players for the for the Casey's. But uh, Lubashir was still in the game and on fire. I mean, that kid can – he's an athlete, just a great athlete. That's the bottom line. Uh, I played with his cousin. I thought it was his brother. But I played with his cousin, Anthony, who was a running back the year behind me and linebacker. And this kid, I mean, the, the word is BC – uh, he totally looks like he could be that level of athlete. So I don't know if he's going to be a quarterback there, but I'm rooting for the kid, and he he looks awesome. But problem was, RBC, they still let the door open. Uh, and RFH got a punt return touchdown, but it was called back, but later scored on the drive anyway. And that 643 went down to like 533. I'm like, how did only so much time run off the clock? So then RBC has the, you know, they recover the onside kick and say, all right, let's just grind this one out. They move the ball, move the ball, third and a little long. It's like maybe they should run the ball, run a little more clock. They throw an interception down to like the 13, 17 yard line. Next play, it's like, all right, just keep Rumpson out of the end zone, you win the game. Next play, 83 yard touchdown run for Rumpson. All of a sudden, it is. 14 to 13 with the extra point coming in two minutes left in the game. I was completely shocked. I, I couldn't believe what just happened, but extra point was blocked. So we got 14 to 13. The score stays and we're going nuts on the sideline because we just blocked a kick. All we need to do is recover the onside kick. RFH recovers their own onside kick. And it was like, Oh my God, we're going to lose this game. They compete, complete like a fourth down play. They complete a couple really nice plays to get themselves in range, but then the drive stalls out. So they go on to kick a 42 yard field goal, right? They're kicking from uh, the 25 yard line. They, that's how far they get. And the kick wasn't really close. RBC holds on 14 to 13 in what is one of the best high school football games I've ever seen probably one of the best sporting events I've ever been to. And I'm very proud of the Casey's. They hung in there while things were looking bleak at the end and they kind of, you know, let their guard down. They got out of Rumson with a victory. And I think they learned their lesson of they can't take the foot off the gas, but they still didn't it didn't cost them anything. They still won the game. Usually a lesson like that, it costs you big time. Not today. Very proud of them. They're still number one on the shore. They took down number two on the road. And all of a sudden, we're looking at playoffs, and we're starting to circle some dates on the calendar. So very excited to check them out in the coming weeks. Uh, I don't exactly know when. the. I think the playoffs start next Friday, the 2nd. Um, it, it would be really cool to check them out. I, I'm, I'm really pulling for them. And, you know, this this week, you know, made me think like, man, I what a rivalry. It's great in my mind because I was part of it. But is it one of the best rivalries? Now, best rivalries is tough because then you got to scan over the nation, the world, really, if you want to include other sports, too. But what are my favorite rivalries? You know, everyone has some rivalries that they like. It's usually for their teams. But uh, I have some other rivalries that I like as well. You know, I I. I appreciate everything Duke, North Carolina is, and that goes back a ways. But you know what? The way that the tournament's set up, you know, they'll play each other four times a year, and it really doesn't matter who wins those games because they'll still be two of the top teams in the tournament. So 
that rivalry means less to me now. You know, just anything in college basketball, those rivalries mean less. Uh, some of the rivalries go way back. Lehigh Lafayette, hey, one of the first rivalries in 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 the nation. But I've seen them live. But it's blessed to me because I didn't go there. So what are the rivalries in my mind, all right? Number five, rolling in with Georgia versus Georgia Tech. Never seen either of these teams play live. Not exactly always an interesting game. But it's a rivalry weekend game. They play at Thanksgiving every every year for, in football. And the game is titled Good Old Fashioned Hate. So... I think that's a pretty cool like nickname to have if that's your game. A lot of games name their rivalry after the trophy they play. Um, you know, like some really cool ones in the Big Ten are called like the you know the Floyd of Rosedale, which is played between Minnesota and Iowa. And you have like Washington Washington State is like the Big Apple Cup. Some very cool games. You know, the uh, Farmageddon, Iowa State Kansas State. Some really cool ones that are named like that, but. I mean, if you're naming your rivalry good old-fashioned hate, that's pretty awesome in my book. And I wanted to get a college football one on here. Okay, number four. Uh, this is a, a recent one, but I want to expand it a little bit because of what it's been to me. All right, and I'm going with Cavs Warriors, right? I'm not really a big NBA fan. Uh, I I think it's it's very dramatic. It's a lot of selfishness. If I chose to give up one league, it is by far the sport I'm giving up as professional basketball. But I root for the Cavs because they're from Cleveland. And throughout my life, about half of my life, they've been a very interesting team. We'll say a third of my life because LeBron spent uh, seven years and then another four in Cleveland, which made them interesting. But in the last four years, they made the finals every time. And in those four years, they played the Golden State Warriors every time, developing a bit of a rivalry. It also turned in the only championship I've seen in Cleveland in my lifetime in the 2016 NBA Finals, which I'll still watch from time to time to remind myself how awesome that was. A 73-9 team leading 3-1 in the series, and the Cavs came back. I mean, it, it was poetic. It was unbelievable. And you know what? That At that moment, that was a rivalry. Now, when they brought in Kevin Durant and then the Cavs, you know, got kind of like blasted the next year. They had a couple close games, but, you know, eventually lost nail biters to a team that had four all-stars. And then this past season, they panicked when they traded Kyrie Irving, trying to make moves for the future. They still won the East. No one in the East could touch them. Um, but when it came to the finals, they just couldn't match up with the firepower. So, you might say it's a one-sided rivalry, and it's only four years old, but it's a favorite of mine because of what it brought to me, the the frequency of it, the fact that it was basically four straight Junes for me, and then just the fact that it, it like you won't see that. You don't see four straight championships I mean, amongst the two same teams. That doesn't happen a whole lot. Uh, I know that the you know Golden State is still in their run of dominance, and LeBron left Cleveland this year, so they will most likely not be returning. And if their own fourth start is any indication of where they're going this year, I don't see them in the NBA Finals. But it's still something special to me because of what that was, and I think it would have been less special if the Cavs played different teams in the Finals that year, 
or in the other years and if it wasn't the 73 and 9 warriors and if they didn't win the east four straight years i it, you know what there was just so many factors that make that rivalry one of my favorites to me and you know hey 2016 july uh, june 19th so that's a that's a big day for me all right number three you know i'm uh this is where i'm gonna put in i'm gonna put in pittsburgh and cleveland right here uh you know it's it's not a great rivalry right now because steelers have been dominating for years but they're the team i love to see lose the most as the pittsburgh steelers and the team i like to see win the most is the cleveland browns and if you know, if history means anything, which to people my age, it usually doesn't, this rivalry goes back a ways. And it used to be something, but right now it isn't. Now, I do believe the Browns are going in the right direction. I do believe the Steelers are towards the end of their run of dominance. So I am excited to see where this goes. This Sunday might not be a step in the right direction, or it might be, or it might be, you know, it, like we've got Baker Mayfield. We've got a young defense. We tied them week one, and that was without playing Baker Mayfield. And the Steelers have improved a little since then, yeah, but it, they didn't make a change of quarterback that totally revamped their offense. The Browns did. And the Browns are a little banged up. That's true, and that needs to be accounted for. But you know what? I, I could see this getting good soon. And to me, rivalry is all about beating the one you hate. And boy, do I hate no one more than the Pittsburgh Steelers. Actually, I might hate one team more. And it's this number two, RBC RFH. Now, Red Bank Catholic, Rumps of Fairhaven. It's mainly on here in this high because I went there. You know, I played for the Casey's. I I am a Casey. I was a Casey. And this means something to me because it meant my whole season. It was my last high school football game ever was beating them 61-0 when they pussied out and didn't play any of their guys uh, in the Thanksgiving game because they were gearing up for the state finals. They took away my senior night and basically made it a scrimmage against some scrubs. So what we do? We took it out on them. We beat the shit out of them and put up 61 points and gave up like four first downs the whole game. I was pissed that day, and, and it forever will make me hate them because they robbed me of a rivalry game. And I was so excited to play them. And when I saw that they were playing a bunch of young kids, they just took the fight out of it. And the you know as much as I love seeing your rival lose, you want to beat them. You don't want them to just throw in the talent and say, we're not going to try. You want to put out everything you've got to beat the team you hate so much. And they took that from me that day. So I will forever hate them for that. And, you know, that's why they're high on my list. Number one, you know, all right. So where could I go with this? I already mentioned the Browns twice. Or no, I mentioned the Browns, sorry. I mentioned RBC. And I mentioned the Cavs. You know, the Indians, no, they don't really have any big rivalries for me. You know, they, they've done a really good job in their own division. And it's like, all right, are the White Sox and Twins their rivals? It just doesn't really like feel like that. It doesn't feel like the Indians have a big rival. You know, the Cavs, outside of the Warriors, I, you know, I have, I'm not really a big NBA fan. And as much as I like to rep CUA and, and suggest it to anyone who's asking about it and applying and stuff, I, I 
it's it just doesn't have the same clout that like you know I have with these other teams because I played football there one year I played rugby a couple times but just didn't I didn't embrace the rivalry like I did with high school or like I do with the teams that I follow so you know for this last rivalry I could go with uh you know Duke Carolina but I told you before college basketball not really my thing anymore maybe I'd go with one of those college football ones like hey Auburn Alabama the Iron Bowl that's a good one maybe uh Oklahoma Texas you know when they play in the Cotton Bowl the Red River rivalry Red River shootout showdown whatever they choose now nope the number one rivalry by far is the Cleveland Browns versus the referees I mean, think about it. Every week, the Browns are getting screwed and getting an apology on a Tuesday about something that went completely wrong and haywire. Now the NFL's firing refs that do the Browns games because they've done so poorly. I mean, this is an embarrassment. No, this isn't my actual number one rivalry, okay? Like, stop. I I get it. I'm just being pissed off right now because of what's happened to the Browns. But, come on. it's It's gotta be the refs and the Browns, because that's who they're battling, and it's the only thing that's stopping them from winning fucking football games. I I digress. Whatever. It's fine. No, it's not my number one rivalry. I think RFH-RBC is my number one rivalry. And uh, to throw in a number five and be real with you guys, I don't know, maybe it's just Ohio against the world. Maybe it's just Cleveland versus fandom everywhere. Because, you know what? We're now finally getting the respect that we deserve. So let me know what your favorite rivalries are, which ones are the biggest to you, which ones don't get appreciated enough. I want you to leave a note, comment, rate, review, subscribe, do all that fun stuff, and let's have a conversation going about this. Which reminds me, you know, this week I'm instituting something that I've never done before, and uh, I'm going to start doing voicemails and emails on this podcast so if you want to hear your question read aloud call in talk about whatever i will answer your email as long as it's nothing that's going to embarrass me or any of my family we're all good don't be a jerk uh but if you want to have some fun and get a voicemail read on air you know where to call and if you don't you know how to get in touch with me and i'll give you the phone number i'm not just gonna throw my number out there actually yeah 732-770-2410-732-770-2410 call leave a voicemail and i will read your voicemail on air and answer your questions it could be about whatever you know what i talk about every week i talk about football i talk about the cleveland sports i talk about you know the bachelor whenever that's on i talk about a lot of different things but i'm willing to go on to different ones because I want to know what everyone wants to talk about. What do you guys want to hear? Maybe I have a second calling out there that I don't even know about. It's something to check out. All right. And you know what? You've got my email. Shoot me an email. If you don't want to hear your own voice and you want to remain anonymous, that's cool too. And I will read your question on air. I give great advice. So I think you should call up and ask questions. So anyway. Thank you, and please try and do that. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, I've started to spread the word, but I will now push that a little bit more. All right, what's going on? Uh, outside, we'll end the day with our picks, but uh, I want to do another debate, all right? 
and I, uh, no, I'll save that for the end. You know, NBA season's upon us. The Cavs are on four. Don't really want to go there because they look like a mess. I think we're going to have to approach this in February and talk about just how bad they are because, boy, is it ugly in Cleveland for the Cavaliers. I mean, that's a real problem that they have going on. And the World Series, I mean, it's the Red Sox. They're up 2-0 on the Dodgers. I don't even want to touch that because Red Sox fans really piss me off, and they are very, very obnoxious and very full of themselves. Very much pulling for the Dodgers. I don't see it happening because the Red Sox look like a wrecking crew. Even their bad things like the bullpen and, I mean, like their catchers are hitting. Their bullpen's just shutting people down. It's a problem. The Red Sox are playing like the best team of all time. So, anyway, not going to talk about the World Series too much. Uh, I'd rather jump into the Browns. I mean, breaking my heart again. I told you about the refs, but we've got another week where a loss that could have been a win. Their fourth overtime game. They've played seven games. Four have gone to overtime. They've played basically an additional game. And I mean, those minutes at the end of those games, that's 10 tough minutes you're playing in overtime. And it's not like these games are ending quickly in overtime. They're going to the gun. They lost on a 59-yard field goal this week after Jabril Peppers returned a punt to midfield. We're about 20 yards away. Two Baker Mayfield first downs away from being a field goal range and winning the game and getting to 500. It didn't work out that way. I don't even blame the loss on Jabril. There were so many things that were happening that I didn't even think about a a fumbled punt being the reason we lost. I looked at it as Hugh Jackson screwing us again. I looked at it as what a slow start. The fact that we outrun or overrun our D-line that has been playing every goddamn snap. There are so many reasons why Hugh Jackson has to go. And I actually rooted for this guy in the first season. I said, nope, we got to hold on to him. He's the right guy for the job. But he throws everyone else under the bus. He says what he needs to do. He says, trust me. Trust you? You've won three games in two in three years. I mean, you keep on constantly saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. And now you want to be more involved with the offense? You know, after you step back and said, I'm not, I'm going to be less involved because I'll be best for our team. Now you're saying, no, I'm, I'm going to be more involved because I need to get it. And now he's saying, oh, I overreacted after the game. You're supposed to be the level head. You know what Baker said? There's no magic recipe. You just got to work hard and do your job. And he's like, and Baker Mayfield is the head coach and the, and the leader and the QB. It's frustrating because we know Hugh Jackson's got to go. And a lot of people say firing a coach midseason is a bad idea. But you know what? You know what's a worse idea? Wasting time with Hugh Jackson when you know he's going to be gone soon. Why is he here? And I know that's a problem for a lot of people because they're like, well, it doesn't help to fire midseason. But it, it he is hurting our team. He is impeding on the progress Baker Mayfield is making on this team. And Miles Garrett. These guys have shelf lives in the NFL. And we're wasting it with Hugh Jackson. Maybe if we go to Todd Haley, at least we'll be moving in the right direction and towards 
the open door and the open vacancy for the next head coach. But I mean, with Hugh Jackson, we're basically just in a hamster wheel. We might as well sit Baker Mayfield and Nick Chubb and, and Miles Garrett and just play a bunch of guys that aren't part of the future because we're wasting this guy's future with Hugh Jackson. And I'm not going to get too into it. I'm leaving it at that because it's it's bothering me and I'm, I'm over it. But um, I'm just frustrated. Anyway, we got the Week 8 picks. Week 8, I've been good the last few weeks. I've had a lot of... Uh, I've had three winning weeks in four, including a 9-4-1 and one week, which I was very proud about. Now, no, it was 9-4-2. and two. I had two pushes. Now, all right. Texans, Thursday Night Football, giving 7.5 to the Dolphins. Uh, I feel like I've missed on every Thursday Night game. I, I took the, the Browns week two. And everything else I've basically pissed away. I know the Vikings-Rams game was close. I know the Eagles-Falcons game were close. And it was like both of those I was right on line with. The other ones, way off. I've been so off on Thursday Night Football. Now, I think Miami's going to keep it tight. But that probably means you should just take Houston. Uh, Miami's out a couple receivers. It's a short week. Houston is riding hot right now. Uh, Miami, after starting 3-0, and they're now 1-3. and Houston going for their fifth straight win after starting 0-3. They're now 4-0. They're going the right direction. Deshaun Watson, his first turnover-free game, I think in his NFL career, was this past week. Uh, it was like his first one in like eight or nine games. Maybe he's had one in the past, but like it was a huge step in the right direction. They're running the ball well. Their defense is is finally getting it together. And now they're facing a offense with Brock Osweiler and down two receivers. I just think Miami is going to keep it tight, but I think Houston, Houston should win by enough. I'm going to say Houston wins by a touchdown tonight. All right, so moving on, and I think that's 23-14. So maybe more than a touchdown. Maybe a maybe I'm laying the seven and a half. I'm going to switch that. No, no, I'm going to say 7.5 is too much, and we're taking Miami. They're going to lose 23-17, and the 7.5 will be enough. All right, Philadelphia and Jacksonville in London, the London Jaguars. Now, I see that the Eagles are a three-point favorite. Now, to me, that seems like a lot, uh, especially in this game where... The Jaguars typically play well in London. I don't think they're playing well in general right now, but this just seems like the London start, you got to go with the only trends you know about London. And for me, the Jaguars play well there. I don't like their quarterback situation. Blake Bortles is garbage. They need to move on and find a different guy, especially if they want to compete right now. I think they're going to need to find a future signal caller. Find out what Derek Carr will cost. You know, trade for Tyrod Taylor. I would love to trade Tyrod Taylor from the Browns because this guy is good enough to be playing, but Blake Bortles, Cody Kessler, nuh-uh. Those aren't the guys that are going to do it for you. Maybe Case Keenum's available. Maybe Sam Bradford's available. I know Sims and Lefko are trying to get someone out there. You know, I don't think Colin Kaepernick's the answer, and that's not a black-white thing. It's just a, he hasn't played football in so long. Are you really going to throw him on the field right away? 
when there are other guys that have played this season. So I think that's their best bet is trading for a guy like Bradford or Taylor. But you know what? In this game, this is where we see Blake answer. <laughs> for some reason, it always happens in London. And the Eagles, they have let the door open to every opponent they've faced. So I don't like them at all going forward. And I think not the team that everyone has has been used to. Everyone wants to say they're the Super Bowl winners. They are not that team. They're dealing with Super Bowl hangover. They're three and four, which is like shocking, but that they're still in a race. But you know, no one's really taking that division by storm. The the Redskins are winning the division, but I don't think it's completely out of grasp, especially since the Eagles play them twice still. So I think this is one where the Jaguars are the pick. I think the Eagles hold on, but it is so close. I'm definitely taking the Jaguars. I think they may win the game outright. Yeah, you know, I think I'm going to do it. I'm taking the Jaguars to win the game 24-21, and the Eagles' season continues to spiral in the wrong direction. All right, next up, Browns are getting 8.5 against the Steelers. Uh, it's a bad time for the Browns to be playing Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's coming off of a bye. The Browns, emotional loss after emotional loss, drained every week with all these overtimes. They don't have a bye for another couple weeks. It's a bad time to be the Browns to be playing football, to be honest. They're hurt at wide receiver. They're hurt at cornerback. Their tackles stink. But I still think 8.5 is too much, especially in a rivalry game where the Browns' defense has clamped down on this offense. I think the Steelers probably win the game, but not by eight and a half. The Browns keep this one to a touchdown, 27-20. We see stride from Baker Mayfield, but at the end of the day, he doesn't have enough uh, weapons on offense to compete. And maybe we see the Browns make a move before Tuesday's deadline to improve the wide receiver core. I know a lot of people are like, oh, you got to go get Odell Beckham. I just don't think that's a realistic possibility. I think Sterling Shepard's a good one. Possibly Devontae Parker, because the Browns should be looking at young guys that they're going to bring back for a longer time. Uh, They do need to get a receiver. If there's one that's available that you think you could turn into a real player that's not going to cost you an arm and a leg, got to go do it. It's time to make a move, because we need to go surround Baker Mayfield with players. And uh, this might be the loss... That kills Hugh Jackson in Cleveland. Remember, he's got three wins in almost three years. All right, next up, Chiefs. Ten and a half point favorites on the Broncos. Uh, I love the Chiefs here. The Broncos have so many off-field distractions right now. Yes, they have extra time to prepare for the Chiefs. And Kansas City keeps on coming off of big-time performances where it seems like, okay, maybe you catch them sleeping, but I'm no way betting against Kansas City here. Uh, They won at Denver on the road. I think they're going to win this one pretty handedly and uh, put up a 40-burger on Denver. And the Broncos are seriously reeling here. I think they're going to go into tank mode after this one. I know they're they're respectable three and four, right? Like, that's a record. But, you know, their three wins against Oakland, you know, against Arizona, those those are like two the two worst teams in the NFL possibly. So, 
Look, I, uh, I, I think this is a blowout. I think the Chiefs win by 14, 17, possibly even 20 points just because of where they are right now. And uh, they need to hold off the Chargers, who are only a game back of them. So uh, it's not like they're not playing for anything right now. They need to secure a bye instead of being a wild card. All right, next up we have Jets at Bears. This is another one I really like. Bears by seven and a half. I like the Jets to cover this one. I mean, I think Chicago is going to win the game, but the Jets are a pretty good football team. You know, ever since they lost to the Browns, they're a winning team. And the teams they've lost to are good teams like Minnesota. And Sam Bradford, or is it Sam Bradford? Sam Darnold's going to make his mistakes, but he's making the mistakes that you want to see from your rookie of. Okay, he's he's slinging it. He's going to learn from those. He's got the ability. They're banged up. They're without Powell, but I think Crowell will still be able to handle the rock enough that I really like Chicago in this one to take down the Jets, but the Jets to cover 24 to uh to 17 and they cover the 7 and a half. Next up, got to pick 'em. Redskins Giants. Uh, like the Redskins here, I know they're coming off of an emotional win against the Cowboys. Uh, I just don't think they're going to slip up against the Giants, who stink. And uh, I, I can't keep betting the Giants. I keep on giving them the benefit of the doubt. But you know what? Maybe they're desperate. Maybe they get a victory here. I just... Uh, I, I, don't, I don't see it happening. You know, the Sharps are betting the Giants. And money is on the Redskins. So... Where do you land with this one? People will say the Redskins will come out flat, but it's still a rivalry game. And they know that teams are on their heels. It's not like they have a huge lead in the division. I think uh, I think the Redskins are just a better football team and they're going to win the game. I don't see it being a very impressive game. Possibly be like 20 to 17, but I like the Redskins here. All right. Seahawks at Detroit. Golden Tate's against his old team. Uh, Detroit just added Snacks Harrison, which should help with their run defense against uh, Seattle, who has really kind of created their new identity here. But I still like Detroit exposing Seattle's new defensive backfield. I like Detroit at home. They're giving three. And I think that's kind of where the line should be right now. As Seattle is going to hang with them, this is going to be a tight game. I like this as like a push, basically, because I think it's going to be a three-point game. But let's say Lions 31, Seahawks 27, maybe a little less than that. But no, I, I, I kind of like the Detroit Lions to cover this one. I think they're a better team than everyone's giving them credit for. And I think Seattle has kind of lucked out against the bad teams. I don't really know what to make of the Seahawks right now, but... In this one, I like Detroit at home. I think they're going to start competing with some teams. And I think we're going to see them as a potential playoff team. Not actually going to make it, but at least fighting for it. All right. Bucks at Bengals. This is one where I really want to like the Bengals. Everything in my mind is telling me that this is a bounce back game for Cincinnati. That they're going to, they, they want to be in this playoff race. And that the Bucks just took advantage of a Browns team that came out really flat and that they should have lost that game. But you know what? 
everything else is telling me that this is a Tampa bet, that that offense isn't going to be held down by Cincinnati. And I want to hate the Tampa Bay offense, but it's really good right now. Uh, Peyton Barber might not be playing, but that doesn't mean much to me because they're a passing offense. And Ronald Jones is ready to take that over anyway. Uh, I don't really know how the Bengals are going to cover such a really good receiving trio of receivers and then duo of tight ends. Uh, I think James is going to put up points, and this is going to be 28-27. Bengals hold on, but Buck's a good bet this week. Okay. Next up, Ravens-Panthers. Ravens got beat last week. They're going to come back. They're going to get a revenge victory here. Carolina maybe plays a little flat after that big win against the Eagles. Uh, I think the Ravens are a very good team. They cover the two here, and they win 24-17. I, just, I really like the Ravens right now, the way they're playing. And I think they can contain Carolina to something in the teens. Whereas... I'm not very impressed with the Panthers, and I think the uh, the Ravens' offense has been good enough all year that they're going to put up enough points, and I think that's a, a good pick if you're picking uh, to go with the Ravens as like a possible survivor team this week. Even though it's on the road, and I hate picking road teams in survivor, but that one just seems like a, a pretty, pretty easy one to me. All right, Raiders hosting the Colts. Uh... The Colts are three-point favorites. Raiders are trading off everybody. Colts are starting to play in the right direction. I kind of like the Colts in this one. But I think too many people are banking on the fact that the Raiders are going to just pack it in. When in reality, going out west is never easy. And it's not like the Colts are a very good team. If they can keep Andrew Luck in check and not give up 35 points, I think the Colts will be. Uh, I think the Raiders will be good enough to score 21 to 24 points on this team. Um, but man, you know what? I just, it, I I don't know. I I don't like the I don't like the Raiders at all right now. I think they're gonna start hitting the like the real tank. So I'm gonna buy in and say that the Colts win this one. Uh, 34 to 20, and they easily cover the three. Next up, we have Niners at Cards. One point favorite the Niners. Why, though? They're not a good team. They can't stop anyone on defense. Cardinals are coming off of extra rest. Rosen is learning every week. He's going to pick up some things, and this is a good defense for him to be playing. Not to mention, they beat San Fran already at San Francisco. They're going to beat them again, and this time at home. So I like the San Francisco 49ers to lose to the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, let's go something like 24-17, uh, maybe 24-14. I think Arizona plays a little bit better after the whole Patrick Peterson thing this week and uh, a bounce-back game after that Denver shellacking. Okay, game of the week. Packers getting... I've seen nine against the Rams, and wow, do I love the Packers. I think they're the, my favorite pick of the week. I think this game, the Rams eke out, but no, they, they couldn't stop Seattle from scoring. 
Now, the Rams have given up a lot of points to the Minnesota Vikings. Green Bay is going to score, and they're definitely going to score within nine of the Rams, who are still banged up at wide receiver. And they don't have a tight end presence. Now, obviously, they're the best offense in football. They're the best team in football. They might go undefeated, but nine points against the Packers, who might be a team that they face in the playoffs? No way. Love the points here that I'm getting with Green Bay. Uh, I think Rams hold on. But, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, Rams aren't holding him to less than 28 points. I think something like 38 to 35 final score. 38, 32 maybe. And, uh, yeah, the Packers get those points. Really like them this week. Saints at Vikings. Vikings line is by one. Uh, I think I like New Orleans here. You know, you have no dome effect at all. New Orleans seems kind of like a special team this season. But due for a letdown after a couple uh, big wins, the big win against Baltimore, and I could see Minnesota kind of getting it back together this week. But I I, uh, I don't know. I, I still like New Orleans and uh, possibly as a big revenge for the Minnesota Miracle. So give me the Saints. I think they're going to take the game as well as the point and win something like 28 to 21. Okay, next up, Monday Night Football. Patriots at Bills. Patriots are laying 14. Patriots could be laying 28. Take the Patriots. Monday Night Football games have been garbage for the most point, most part. Actually, a lot of the primetime games have been bad, so I'm taking the Pats. Buffalo's not doing much. This is a this is a blowout, and uh, I think I know a lot of people are picking against the Bills and a lot of survivor pools. It's a good call. That's a, that's a smart thing to do. So I'm taking the Patriots. I think they win, probably put up 38 points, and I think they're gonna give up less than 20. I think it's a 20 point victory for the for the Patriots, and they cover the 14. So those are my picks. Thanks for listening this week, guys. Uh, I will hopefully get some voicemails, some emails to read aloud, possibly get a guest to talk about baseball in the World Series next week on the Jake when we have Halloween recap. I'll tell you all about my costume. I'll tell you all about all my fall activities I've had going on because I know that's a lot to get to, picking out pumpkins, riding hay rides, and and uh, going through corn mazes. But thanks for listening. Hope you all enjoyed this podcast, and I will talk to you next week.